there's rumors in the Twitter sphere. Kind of on the topic for today. Love a role on the mat. On the mats. Say on the mat tonight. On the mat. Go on the mats. On the mat. On the mat. So glad you could make it out tonight. I, uh, I really appreciate y'all bringing me on the show. Good to go. Oh, yeah. What's up, dude? Let me know if your mic's working. What up, what up? Check one, two. Loud and clear. How was that final lift? Oh, it was great. That's like the only lift. So I'm in like a pretty good mood. And it's funny because I was just noticing my mood. I was like, oh, I feel really good. And I wonder the deadlift. So they say it's good to like have something that is a constant in your life. And the deadlift is something that I did like straight bar conventional like that since I was like 12 years old. And there's not much else that I've stayed consistent with other than martial arts, but it's been different ones. And I was telling her, I was like, I don't know if it's like the nervous system, like feeling this exact because your nervous system is very specific. So it can't be like trap bar or sumo or I was like, I don't know if it's me feeling that, but I feel like the deadlifts like made me happy. Like they made me like 16 again, which is super weird. But so there's a very long answer for for how they felt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's an awesome, it's an awesome point you make because I'd never thought about that, about having a constant throughout your life. You know, for me, when I was younger, it was basketball. That's the one thing that I did all the time, yep. you know, for years and years, that was a constant. And then when it went away, when I stopped doing it, those were probably some of the more unhealthy and depressing years of my life until I found martial arts. arts. Yeah, I think about that as like I've I've thought about this before. So they say like to have have something that doesn't change. Like let's say let's say Armageddon hit and we're all separated and you never see anybody you ever knew again. What would be that thing you do every day when you wake up that still makes you feel like a human being? You know, that still gives you some sense of yourself that you can like attach to. And I mean if your food has changed, your housing, you have no family. But if you like, let's say you did sun salutations every morning or you meditated or you prayed, then you you have this internal locus of control that still feels like who you are, it, no matter how much your uh, outside world becomes debased. What's up, Katie? How are you doing? I am doing so good. Listen, I just dropped the I love saying this. I just dropped my ADCC album <laughs> and it has already picked up a ton of friction which is really good um and i'm just like i wasn't super happy with my costa mesa photos the lighting was really funky and honestly as having an off day happens to the best of us but this album came out hard dude like the photos are so good like i've had so many people that are touched that i ended up getting photos of them in general um and it's also really cool because there was only two photographers there myself and sarah so um, i'm super duper looking forward to seeing how many people end up like seeing the album I love the pictures that I've seen. The Thug Rose pictures were awesome. So yeah, I'm really happy for you on that one. I love it. Thank you. It was it was a lot of fun. Denver is for sure one of those where I wasn't sure what to expect. And both the IBJJF that I went to two weekends ago and then the ADCC were really well run and really nice facilities. Like I really, really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Man, I would hope so. I hear they're charging like $150 for that tournament. The ADCC or the IBJJF? ADCC, they're running like, isn't it entries like a like a buck fifty? 
Um, it depends on like which divisions you're doing and stuff, but both of them are, are pretty pricey, in my humble opinion. The cool <laughs> thing about ADCC, though, is that it's double elimination. So there is that, which is pretty cool. That is good. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get started. We got Katie here, the co-hostess with the mostest, Professor Spencer, our head instructor at Zia Martial Arts. When we first started the gym, there was only one other jujitsu place in town. So there was really no necessary like need to make sure we branded ourselves as jujitsu. But it seems like now, four about four years later, it's it's a little bit different scene. And that's why I would like to get out here and tell our side of the story, our part of the narrative as to you know how this all came out how how we ended up where we were and what happened along the way so i appreciate you guys coming out for the zia origins it's gonna be awesome i actually didn't realize uh katie was gonna be on here and i actually have something to do now but uh (laughs) sorry katie first of all first of all i would like to point out that today on spencer's story he posted, and I quote, it's always so hard to see them go. And it was a picture of a bunch of blue belts. And I personally felt very attacked by that. So if anyone should be leaving, it should be you. <laughs> hey, you you're definitely projecting that onto yourself. And it also was about you. You know, actually thinking about blue belts leaving, because that is, like, blue belts is a big, uh, blue belts leaving obviously is a big meme thinking about them uh, thinking about blue belts are uh, we actually have a pretty good like retention of the majority of our original blue crew still being part of the crew or at least kind of if they're not training at the moment they're involved in the community or doing something analog like uh, boxing or something but but still close and involved which is awesome Yep, shout out to Goyo, who's on and listening, one of our most missed blue belts. Oh, shoot, Goyo. So that was actually something that I've been thinking about. With David Munoz back in training regularly and him getting pretty close to getting his blue belt, I think he'll be the last person who trained in the garage to, to get their blue belt. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. There is going to be like a last of people from before we opened. That's interesting. I can't think of anybody else that used to train in the garage that hasn't gotten at least a blue belt or or obviously just like kind of not like didn't really fully commit to training. Goyo somewhere in the middle, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so before we get into the garage days, I'd like to start in 2016. Let's go let's go a little bit further back to 2016 and if you want if you'd like professor, I'll let you start kind of set the stage where where you were at in 2016 and what kind of things were going on for you back then. Oh man, all right. Yeah. Um 2016 was so I was a brown belt. Uh, I had been a brown belt for like years and I had been teaching for about six at the other local jiu-jitsu school and I was feeling a little bit like uh, overworked from it and there were some exchanges and maybe agreements that were made uh, that weren't quite met not on my end 
and I knew I wanted to keep training. I knew I wasn't comfortable and I felt a little bit abused and I had kind of voiced, well, I had, I definitely voiced how I was feeling and stuff and things kind of, anyway, it was one of those classic situations where someone gets to brown belt and ends up leaving their current gym to go open something up. Uh, I felt ready and I think technically I was ready. I don't know if like as a, maybe as a business person or in other ways that I was ready. I was still a bouncer at the time. So it was an interesting schedule of being up all night and then uh, training at starting noon and then teaching the kids classes and the adult classes in the evening. But around that time, I was still really, really focused on wanting to compete. I was hopeful to maybe figure out getting a gym going and getting affiliated so I could still work towards my black belt. Um, and I was in a weird place because there was also a, a good part of me that felt like maybe what I did was a little bit impulsive and sudden and wished that maybe I could still train with my old team and stuff. So I was torn during that time for sure. You know, you become like family with your instructors and your your students. And it's like, it's almost bigger. I mean, if you... Like, if you think about it in terms of a relationship and having, like, in-laws, you're not just losing one person, but you're losing, like, a whole bunch of people. And then, obviously, it gets, you have, like, you know, certain Brazilian words being thrown around and, like, people giving side-eye at tournaments. And it definitely, it was the, it was the first tension in the Las Cruces Jiu-Jitsu scene because there had been nothing else that nothing else happened there was one school it was harmony and i understand you know but yeah so we ran uh i ran that for a while um i don't know how in-depth you want me to go with how we like i ended up closing the school i ran it for a little bit over a year and it, at, at that time you came in you were actually coach mark was one of my very first students through the door at the time i was training my brother and then I think, I don't know if any other adults had really come through except for maybe like trials or other people I knew that just came to kind of be a body around the mat or whatever. But I think you were the first actual like non-family paying student that showed up just to just to learn from me like that. Yeah, it's a big thing, man. The We talked about that as a possible topic for an episode. Even if you're not family, like you said, you train together for so long, you feel like family. And it feels like you're losing a big part of your life when you make a decision like that. And and there may be harsh feelings on, on either side, you know, feelings of being neglected, being taken advantage of, or feelings of being betrayed and loyalty comes into question. I mean, I don't think, because I've been through it. And, and when we get to talking about the garage, like I'll probably share some stories about that, but Back in 2016, I had uh, I had always had an affinity for jiu-jitsu. I, I loved it. I, I watched UFC. I, I was a huge fan of Hoist Gracie. And I would find whatever I could on the internet, which back then was harder than it is now. It was the summer of 2016 when I got a DUI. I crashed my car like two, two blocks away from my house and got arrested, got a DUI. I think I, I remember it was something because when they weighed me at the jail, it was something that I remembered. I think I was something like 220 pounds 
when I, when I got arrested that night and getting out of jail, I had, I think I lost 10 pounds in jail. Most of it was probably beer weight. I lost 10 pounds in the 24 hours I was in there. And when I got out, that's when I had like made the resolution to say, okay, I'm going to start working out, start losing weight. Cause I was always athletic in high school. I played sports. Like I said, basketball was my favorite sport, but I, I was always doing something. But after high school, it, there was nothing for me to do or nothing that I sought out. And I ended up gaining a ton of weight and becoming very unathletic. So that was the huge turning point for me during that summer where I, where I kind of made the change and said, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to start lifting weights. I'm going to lose weight. And then what had popped up real big in my head was you know finding a martial arts gym to train at. So that was kind of what started me on that journey. And I know you mentioned about like, you know, maybe it was impulsive. Maybe you shouldn't have done it. Maybe you weren't ready or you could have waited a little bit longer, but had you have waited, all of this probably might not have been. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. I I wouldn't have met you, Sam. (laughs) So I, I first started at one more rep. They had a corner of mats and that's where I met Scoob and met uh, Daniel, who's now coaching MMA for us. Daniel gave me some of my first jujitsu slash judo lessons. And once I met Scoob, it was all smoking weed and 10th Planet from there on uh, watching watching the Eddie Bravo YouTube stuff back in the day, mastering the twister system. That's like, a, I, I don't know if Eddie knows. He probably does. That is like the basis of so many people's so many people's jujitsu game because of the way that his material exploded. Yeah, I can remember a time when Scoob called me and he's like, oh, the mastering the twister is the whole thing is on YouTube for free. He's like, watch it as much as you can before they take it down. And we probably watched it for weeks and then they eventually did take the video down, but we soaked up as much as we could. And what had happened was the one more rep thing kind of fizzled out. I bought a membership, and as soon as I paid for my membership to the gym so that I could keep meeting the, the grappling guys, Oscar had opened Legacy, and Daniel and all those guys moved up the hill to start training at Oscar's place. So I was literally I was left alone grappling with a grappling dummy for a whole month before I found your gym. And we had, I guess, a common a common acquaintance who who told me that you had just opened your martial arts school. And so that's why I went to go check it out. It's so Cobra Kai, the way like, an, an, and it's not on anybody. It's just funny to me, the way like a new gym opens and then a, like there's always a little sway towards that place. Like people will kind of, I don't want to say defect, but there's always that uh, like a little bit of shiny new gym, new gym syndrome. People will defect. <laughs> Yeah, Katie, people defect Katie. Man, I was laughing about that the other day. I was thinking about the first gym that I trained at, which was out by Austin. And the difference between the atmosphere in that gym and the one we have at Zia is like a totally different world. Because I started at Zia right in the middle of COVID, kind of. I'm not exactly sure, but gosh, I've been there since I think like 2019 now. But it was cool because I got to see kind of 
at first we were just kind of chilling and there wasn't a lot of advertising obviously because um like you know we were working during covid <laughs> and like there was like the secrety secret stuff on the windows and all that good stuff and then now with covid being done and like everything being back open it's been so cool to just like see the influx of people and like like y'all are talking about just kind of see the family a lot of the people that i started with don't go anymore and a lot of people who started when i after i got my blue belt have been super consistent and it's been kind of cool to to see and learn and just experience that kind of environment it's it's really cool choked up over here it's been quite a run and it's crazy to think like when ray stopped in we were talking about it ray was one of the garage guys and when he stops by obviously you know the older members remember him but it's funny to see a lot of the people who have been with us for a couple of years now and they're like who's that guy because ray stops in he's one of those blue belts that is still training on and off over the last few years but He'll stop by whenever he's in town, and it's always great catching up with him. Probably one of those blue belts that shit, like maybe shouldn't be a blue belt anymore, too. But after this last role, I'm feeling it. I he he definitely leveled up, and it was interesting. So to catch everybody up, like so, you ran your gym for a year, and it was Platinum Martial Arts on Solano next to Apodaca Park, and we ran in there for a, just about a year. I think I started in. September 2016, and then you ran till about October 2017? Yeah, I think so. I know it was somewhere in the last quarter that we ended up closing. I was just getting tired, man, doing doing bouncing and then getting my jaw broken and stuff. Took so much wind out of my sails, having to, like, say no to competitions that I had planned and stuff. It was just, that was a... I mean, you know, not terrible, kind of first world problems thing, but it was not easy to try and keep the business going with all of that. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. You uh, so you open your gym, you know, you get this freedom. You can finally do things the way that you want to do them. And you, you know, you've got all these goals. We were competing. You were still competing actively. I remember I joined in September and I think by November of that year, we were in Long Beach for my first competition for SJJIF Worlds. Yeah, yes, that was a really good comp. Yeah, I think that was the the first and last uh, that my brother did. And that kind of changed things for me, too. Uh, I remember that there was, you know, there's a certain motivation to do something with family. There's a certain feeling behind it. And I was, even my brother and I have a pretty storied history, uh, but he... It, there was something really meaningful to have him as part of the process. Uh, we're the same size and everything, too. Um, and I remember that he had stopped training and left the state for a while. And that made it a little bit, like, that definitely dropped my motivation a little bit just to have, because we were still really small, and there'd be days where I would show up and there would be nobody there to train. And I'd be like, man, I wish, like, at least my brother was here. Or in my mind... I guess in my mind, I put a little bit of responsibility on him, and I was thinking, like, he's supposed to be here. If he was, if only he was here. But I ended up, uh, yeah, so I was a bouncer at that time, and during a private Christmas party that I was securing, this big old dude busted in, and uh, when I threw him out, I turned back, and he ended up, like, sucker punching me and breaking my jaw. And I had a competition planned right, right around that time, 
that I pulled out of, and then after that, it was just this process of, like, when I had to get it wired shut, and it took a while to, I don't know when it technically would have been ready again, but it took a while to trust it, and to feel like, you know, with the kind of pressure you can get on your jaw, and, like, side control, or fighting chokes and stuff, because it had broken completely in three places, I was just, I was being a solid little bitch about getting back into rolling hard, and so... Eventually, man, just the the kind of fatigue of can't really train. So the passion of being able to feel that process that I've fallen in love with isn't really there. I'm trying to do other stuff. Um, yeah, I ended up closing the gym. I kind of, I mean, it definitely there. You know, I wasn't in the healthiest place mentally. I mean, staying up all night, working at bars, getting through the shifts with free alcohol is not the best way to operate things. And that definitely ate into it. When I was coming up from white to brown belt, there was like very minimal drinking, focused on competing, um, really focused on moving up in jujitsu. And it was hard to maintain that, that same kind of momentum with running the school and working like the bar scene and stuff. And I was officially running the school with my parents. They had kind of co-signed with me to help me get it going. And I remember coming to them and I was like, dude, we got to shut it down. Like, I cannot, I just can't keep them both afloat. The school was earning enough to stay open if it was just like a passion project. It, it paid more than what it cost in rent. But it didn't pay enough for me to stop working at the bar. And I had to, I had to like reduce my output and only do one thing. So... I had to shut her down, and it was, it was sad because it doesn't matter if you tell people like, oh, you know, it was doing well, but I'm just tired, or whatever you say. Like I, for like years, I saw a look in people's eyes when I would run into them, and I would tell them the gym closed. There is a look in someone's eyes when they are like, oh, this dude fucking failed, and I know that. I know that I didn't, and I knew at that time, I was like, I, I mean, I know why I closed this baby down, but that did bother me a little bit. It was like that, like, nice to see you out kind of thing that is just grinds you a little bit. And I can remember that. I can remember you teaching classes with your jaw wired shut because you didn't have anybody else to help out with that class. I mean, your dad was there. He was teaching kids class helping out there, but it was, it was pretty much just all on you as far as teaching goes. And that was, that was quite a challenge. I remember those days were rough. You were drinking through a straw, still, still teaching classes. And it was a, it was a long recovery after that. And I think that was one of the major issues that I think put, you know, more strain on, on that, on that venture. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's one of those, I mean, I definitely, like, I was KO'd by the punch, so I know there's, um, like, at least mild brain injury stuff, and it takes a long time to come back from concussion and, like, the sensitivity to light and sound and irritability and all that, and I don't even know necessarily if, uh, you know, if you ever are always fully healed from that stuff, but, but yeah, it was, it was the most significant strain, I think, on things at the time. I definitely miss those days. Uh, we had some really great workout sessions in that gym. That's where I started listening to Alan Watts. 
and we had some serious cardio sessions back then. We had some really cool smoke sessions after we closed. Uh, the glancing lance on the mirror, I think, is always going to be a favorite of mine. But it, it was a good time. It was a really, it, it was a great experience for me. I think Goyle had his son in there at the time. Scoob was training there for a little bit. And then I think same thing, like uh, Lance had to go upstate or had to go to Colorado. And then Scoob ended up moving to Kansas too. So that that was a, that was a rough time for me because I had found something after a really dark time, found something that I loved and that got me out and and that was that gave me that passion for doing something you know physically active again and when the gym closed it was i i knew i wasn't going to stop but i was literally you know a one year white belt i don't think we ever got we never got rank at platinum right no yeah you know i always felt kind of weird about not having like a black belt backing me or whatever and so i always held off on promoting anybody and i think we actually just kept it completely no yeah and that's what that's why I, I like i know i my first three years of training were strictly no gi i didn't put on the gi for the longest time when i did wear it it was just because it was cold in the garage and we still didn't know how to use the thing so yeah, yeah, we it's we stayed strictly no gi, so I was a no stripe white belt, and that that brings us to the garage days because you um, after the after the gym closed, you went really hard into yoga and you did like several yoga trainings in in a really short period of time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's I, I like to always involve uh, astrology into stuff, but I'm. That's the Scorpio in me, I think, is to get, like, obsessed with something and absolutely eat it alive and devour it and then, like, kind of get bored with it and move on and kind of go back and forth in these cycles with stuff rather than maybe a more common, like, balanced approach of a little bit of practice every day. For me, it was more like I'm going to do this all day, every day. I was uh, trying to look up flights to India. I mean, I was, like, looking up programs. I wanted to train in India. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this all the way. But I actually did. I was really blessed with the way that the different teacher trainings I got to take fell into place as far as, like, some of them being given to me or uh, just given at a huge discount or being allowed to audit a training and sit in on another 200-hour. Or I was blessed during that time to – I felt a lot of pressure. I guess I knew I had done jiu-jitsu competitively for, like, over 10 years. And – I hadn't made any money off of it, and that was stressful because I know that I'm a good competitor, and I, good competitors know when they are, and you know when uh, you get down on your luck, and regardless of if it's your karma or circumstances or whatever it is, you know when you know when things should be different, and it was stressful, and I felt like, here's this other thing. I've had an affinity for this. I've used it as something to kind of stay healthy, uh, peripherally to jujitsu and maybe I could lean into this a little bit and see what I can do with it and I do think I have it's one of those things I'm like a naturally bendy bendy guy so I uh, I did have a good time with it and I started teaching and that is something I still love something I've lost since the pandemic when the studios closed but uh, teaching yoga and 
that whole thing. It's very different to jiu-jitsu. It doesn't, like, give me the same. It's so much more structured in my mind. It doesn't give me the same, like, uh, satisfaction, I think, as teaching jiu-jitsu does. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing in its own right. And I was very, very blessed to take three 200-hour trainings and a handful of uh, 100-hour and 50-hour. Most of it was was donated or some type of trade or some type of arrangement. And so that was just awesome. And that's, that helped me get into yoga. I know I, I was never into yoga. That was not something that I was looking to do when I started training jujitsu, but simply how you, how you dove into the philosophy, the theology and the, and the practice, I mean, all separately, I, it really inspired me. That was my first tattoo was after I started training at Platinum, I was like 31 years old, never had tattoos before. And I got my first tattoo after I started training there with you because of how you presented yoga. And, and I think it was really awesome and, and led me on my, my own journey following, you know, and studying the system. Hey, that's awesome. That's cool. You know, it's funny how well we like know each other, how I guess how often we are around each other and maybe how not well we know each other. Maybe it's just my bad memory, but that's awesome that uh, I hadn't realized that that was like prior to your first tattoo and had something to do with it. That's super dope. I appreciate that. For me, when I found, and I've always been like this, whether it's athletics, you know, academics, especially like Bible study. The, The example I'll give is when I was in my early 20s, and I and I was doing a lot of soul searching and I converted to Judaism. I met a I met a guy who was also in his early twenties and he was just so gifted with with study and prayer and we ran this huge youth, not necessarily youth, but young adult Bible study that had like thirty people, forty people active. It was it was a powerful, powerful movement at the time. And I, I remember, I know, I've always been like this. When I see someone who knows more than me in an area that I want to get better at, I I try to learn as much as I can from that person in the time that I have them because you don't have anyone forever. So in the time that I'm able to, I try to learn as much as I can from that person. Uh, you know, I had that with that gentleman that we did a lot of Bible study with and you were definitely the other major one where it was just like, man, this guy is so knowledgeable. I loved his style of teaching, his style of martial arts. I have to learn as much as I can from this guy. Man, thank you. That's a, that's super high praise. I really appreciate that. It's funny. You mentioned that and bringing up like the, uh, have to learn as much as you can while you're with them because I did disappear for a while and I was I mean I am just universally hard to get a hold of and it's not I don't know I don't want to say it's not on purpose because I don't want to necessarily be easy to get a hold of but uh, I disappeared for a while and I know that it was not a re- like a super vocalized strain on our relationship but I know that it was hard for you to to continue your training sometimes and it was just that weird period for me where I was dove into everything else and I had like a pretty low percentage passion left for jiu-jitsu at that time 
Yeah, it was definitely rough. And so like, yeah, and we're getting into the garage days now where once I found jujitsu and started training, I obviously, I told Goyo about it. He took his son and um, he's got a really funny story about how he started training jujitsu, but it ended up being a group of a, a group of guys that I worked with, you know, with some of the, you know, some of the original garage crew and we were, we started, we, we started on puzzle mats after you, after you closed the gym, I think I bought two packs of puzzle mats and I went to that, that carpet store down, down on Valley. And I pulled out a shit ton of foam that goes under carpets. And I just pulled that out of the dumpster. It was all, it was all new. They hadn't used it. It's just like the extra stuff they throw away. But we did that for like five or six months and Goyo broke like four toes on those puzzle mats it was hard training for a while and i can remember you would stop in about you know maybe maybe once or twice a month you would come in and and while it was you know while it was definitely a strain on our relationship we had only known each other for about a year and i was very grateful for the the time that you still spent in those in those years because i didn't have money to pay for private lessons and you really just came in and, you know, would would show me something and and we would eat that up in the garage for, you know, two or three weeks until you came back and showed us another little thing. And it was that and whatever we could find on YouTube at the time, which was basically only the 10th Planet warm ups. There was no BJJ Fanatics. There was no, you know, Bernardo, no YouTube Instagram reels of jujitsu. There was nothing but 10P warm ups. Yeah, which is not, I mean, that's, that's, there's some, it's, that's pretty good jiu-jitsu, but it's not like super broken down. But I, I, I'm super honored by, uh, by the amount of credit you give me, especially during that time. I do, I do really appreciate that. And yeah, I think it was about that. I'd make it, I'd make it maybe once, uh, once a month. I remember I even competed once or maybe twice during that time because I tried to just compete every year no matter what even if I wasn't training very much just something that I wanted to I don't know it, it keeps me like keeps me motivated even if it's even if I can only train a little bit but that was an intense time because I remember there were some people that I had come up and done a lot of matches with coming up through the ranks that I had to fight when I did not feel like I was I had lost a ton of weight not like focus on uh, lifting anymore or anything I think I was probably vegetarian for a good period of the time that I was doing the yoga thing and um, yeah it was just uh, it was definitely not the not my best years of jiu-jitsu I feel almost like that was on pause compared to like how things are now now how we have things at the gym I mean things are I feel like I learn I learn all the time I'm teaching people to put their chin on their hand and on the neck in the dars now like a brand new details in my life still it's awesome i you know going back to like the 10p warm-ups that's why i i think i'm so focused on fundamentals now is because it, you know i took so long to put on the gi the 10p warm-ups while it's while it's still good jujitsu is nowhere near what a proper fundamental curriculum should be but it was still good days. You know, Goya was there. I think Scoop came in a little bit later when he got back from Kansas. 
Tristan stopped by. We had Anthony and Alex and David and Ray. And like I said, all, all of those guys now have gotten their blue belt. So if nothing else, you know, the garage, I think it was fairly successful, man. And we ran it for a couple of years. There were days it was just me and Goyo. And there, uh, there were days like there was when we first started the gym. And like you talked about when you first started Platinum, there are days when it's just you and one other person or you and no other people. And when one person shows up, it's almost harder than anything when it's just one person because you're essentially teaching private lessons at that point. Yeah, one person is definitely everybody. Like, Not to make it sound bad, but that's every jiu-jitsu instructor's like hardest, for sure hardest class because, yeah, you are just teaching a private. Even harder than that is definitely having uh, one person in a yoga class. <laughs> yep, that's a, that, that's a rough one. Jackie's Jackie's doing that one right now. She's nodding. I, I taught a little bit of yoga, which I'm not certified, uh, but I just, you know, during the pandemic, I, I, I dove deep into yoga, and I think yoga really saved me through those those years because I got really depressed. But before we get into the opening, you know, just, just to wrap up the garage days, it was really fun, and and I, and I loved the training there. And we did jiu-jitsu in the park, remember? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of, like, limits force a type of creativity, you know? It's like having to play guard without using your hands. And that's a limit on your guard, but it also forces new pathways. Um, and I think that's something that happens, like, when you're in those smaller stages and you're trying hard to make it and you're like, I'm, like, biting and clawing for every type of training session, um... That's the type of limitation, you know, you don't have instruction all the time or you don't have uh, proper equipment or or training space, but also to it forces you to do things like go to the park, which becomes like jujitsu as outreach, which in its own way, like now we have a cushy dojo and I mean, dude, I'm not taking mats to the park now. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. But towards the end, so towards the end of the garage days, we did, let's see, if, if 2017, if you closed in about 2017, then we did that until late 2019. So almost two years we did in the garage. And towards the end of those days, you had been without an instructor for several years already. We were going to competitions and actually doing fairly well. And getting a lot of compliments for being the guys in the garage during those during those competitions. And I think after jujitsu in the park, it kind of showed that that there was a little bit of public interest. It pulled in people like Anthony and stuff like that. And we rolled for a little bit more in the garage. And we were we were just to the point where we were kind of outgrowing as as big as we could get, you know, in you know, some some dude's garage. But I, I think it was the the role, the open mat that you went to at Zen, which I'll credit as the catalyst for me starting to think about thinking about opening a gym, because there was a point where, uh, again, you were on your yoga journey and it was me, Goyo and Damien. And when you have a small training group and you try to train for a long time, there's inevitably going to be frustrations and disagreements. And there was a point where we had all kind of plateaued and gotten frustrated and we said, okay, well, 
let's go check out the other places in town. And we all went to other gyms. You know, back then it was Warrior, Legacy, GB. There wasn't, there was only one legitimate jiu-jitsu place in town. And so I went and took one class from GB. I think Goyo and Damien went to Warrior, took a class there. And maybe I uh, tried a few other places in town. But we all ended up coming back and telling each other like, okay, well, what we're doing here is just as good, if not better. And, and let's just keep, let's just keep grinding this one out. But it wasn't until you went up to Zen and talked to Mondo, Zen had just had first opened at the time that really got me thinking about it. Yeah. I think that's, it's definitely good to give credit where credit is due. And Mondo definitely put, put that birdie in my ear. Cause he, you know, I showed up this like, uh, three stripe brown belt. I'd been a brown belt for like seven years, and I'm there. Oh, I guess not at the time. At the time, it was like five, six years. But uh, and you know, I mean, I know I roll well and everything. And of course, we get to talking, and I told him that I had opened a school. I still have all the mats and storage and stuff. And he's like, "Well, you should open one back up. There's not much else going on in Cruces." I was like, "Man, I don't know." But that that plus. Uh, you know, your belief in the project. I remember coming back and telling you what he had said in your belief in the project. I was in a, I had developed for me with how, you know, I'm naturally kind of turbulent person. And I had developed a really keen focus and mindset during that time with, uh, worth mentioning, the uh, 75 hard program, which sounds just like a fitness thing or something, but I would encourage anybody to look it up. Andy Frisella came up with this program called 75 Hard, and it's just like a lifestyle program. It has you drinking water and taking your progress picture and reading books and all this stuff, but it put me in this really keen mindset where I remember shortly after, uh, like right when I finished it, and I was, you had that office downtown, and you had started doing some work down out of that, and you did a vision development uh, session with me and I, I was kind of like forcing the answers to go in a yoga direction because I couldn't see what else I was going to try and do. But I remember sometime around, right around finishing 75 hard, you, you brought up the school to me. And I mean, I was, in a, I was in a place where I don't, I bring that up because I don't think I would have said yes if I weren't in that like, like weirdly killer mindset that it put me in to be doing that program yeah there's some layover from like doing things like 75 hard or i remember when i read you know can't hurt me you're so motivated afterwards to you know kind of do something and get things going and and i had almost forgot about that i was training for the department of health out of an office downtown that i was paying like 500 bucks a month for and i was trying to get vision development going and it, it was not you know, for the, for the purpose of anything except for to, you know, help you find what you wanted to do. And after that session and then hearing what Mondo had said and the fact that you had at least cared enough to repeat it, that's when I started thinking about it. There were, there's a, there's two things that I, that I would love to share. The first one is when I, when I sent you the text and told you, Hey man, I want to talk to you. 
I, I always laughed that you said you thought I was going to, I wanted to open like an Herbalife shop because I was, I, I had lost a lot of weight doing jujitsu and Herbalife. I'm not going to lie. It's convenient. And it was always there to help me, you know, not eat a cheeseburger. And I remember, I always thought it was funny that you said that you thought that's what I wanted to talk about. And then the other one is the like drunk text picture message that I had sent about the life of Pi. You remember that one? Yeah, Lodra Parker. Yeah, I do. That's funny. I remember. I don't remember the like. I feel like there was some uh, particular context that you sent me, and like it was in the middle of the night or something. But I remember watching it and being like, "What is this?" And I think it was a, a YouTube clip to like an alternate ending from Life of Pi, <laughs> or or a scene from it or something. You remember that movie better than I do, but he's. When uh, when he announces like that, uh, Roger Parker left me so unceremoniously, and for the type of person that I am, I'm so freaking sentimental that it could have been a joke, but it like it made me feel like I was like, oh no, I can't believe I did this, and I have to, I have to make sure I'm training, training you and and being consistent with it, which is like the most johnny lawrence vibe ever which i <laughs> oh yeah man it was not a joke i wish man i was probably drunk in the garage one night and i loved that movie and i and i didn't know if i'd have known i probably wouldn't have sent it if i would if i did if i would have known now what i know about you and how like every interaction means so much to you you know where other people wouldn't worry about you know bumping into somebody uh, accidentally at the supermarket, you'd, it would probably keep you up until three or four in the morning, that type of, you know, left interaction. But I, I it just felt like, you know, when Platinum closed and I, at that point I had been training for about three years and I had, you know, again, zero stripe white belt. And I just felt like we left something unfinished. You know, I just felt like there was, there was something more there that we could accomplish. I know when you, when you had closed up, I, I know now, you know, mats are expensive and you don't just give those away. But I knew when you closed that I was going to be the person out of everyone that all of your students to keep training, that no matter what, I was going to keep training. And and I just felt like there was something more there. But we got we got there, had the conversation. And then just as luck would have it, an iconic martial arts location opens up that that same time around that same time that's true i forgot how crazy it is that my months of ice i used to i've been actually like moving recently and i've been uncovering some old stuff like old papers from there and old like brochures from kickboxing matches i did at months of ice and it is crazy to look at that and hold it in my hands and remember walking in there and being like this place is crazy i can't imagine if I trained out of my house with my dad and I was like, I can't imagine training in an amazing place like this. And I look at that stuff and like, it's our gym now, which is mind blowing. Um, and I do still think that you're trying to get me to open an Herbalife. I think it's just a matter of time before you slowly sway the opinion of all of the students and the hearts and minds of the people. And we become one of them. 
I'm surprised I've been able to keep it out of the gym for this long. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I still do it sometimes. But I mean, it's funny that I didn't open out of out of all the things that we did in that extra room before it became a yoga room. It's funny that we didn't that I didn't open an Herbalife out of that place. You got to stick to your guns, man. I'm sure that was hard. That's uh, we probably could. Even after like talking about it on here and joking about it like this, we probably still could could do that. But I have been around for a hot minute, which has been great. But I want like a timeline of Zia thus far. Like I know we've covered a lot of different like eras of Zia, um, but what is like a timeline of the start of Zia, like with years to where we are now? Because it's kind of cool to just kind of visualize it with dates. I'll let Mark go if you if you want to go. So far, I don't think we've gotten to Zia yet. So so far, 2016 is when Spencer opened Platinum, and I started training with him. He closed in 2017, and then from 2017 to about July of 2019 was garage time and Spencer doing his his yoga trainings. So I want to say the summer of 2019 is when he went over to Zen and had that. I don't remember when Zen opened exactly, how long they had been open. But that I think that's where we were. We opened, I think we had the convo in like July or August and we were in the place late September and opened in October of 2019. I don't know. Is that the way you remember it, Professor? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean, if Katie, if you're looking for eras, I feel like it's like the, I don't know, like the, there's a platinum era and then a garage era. And then there's a, the, like, open mat i was at 10th planet el paso for a little bit actually like a different one there was like a a side 10th planet academy i was at the 10th planet side chick academy um and there was a yeah it was great it was all the benefits of the slippery nogi training and none of the promotions and loyalty and Jimbo was at that academy, right? The, at the that was like ten hot box they would call him. Yes, that's where I met uh, met our guy Jim. Yeah, he was actually a really awesome training partner from back then. Those days in general, that was that was a shout out to Mario. He ran a really cool program out of a dude George's. George had like a little compound, and that was a really those were really cool days. And if anybody from those days ever gets to hear this. I know that's that's like another like those were the days kind of little spot. So shout out to those guys from 10th Planet West because those were good times. I did compete under them at a, at a Hayashi tournament. I remember I was actually just looking at the picture yesterday of uh, me posing down as a 10th Planet guy with all of the dudes from 10th El Paso, which is kind of funny. So that's where we're at. We opened, you know, we had the conversation and it was kind of like, you know, yeah. I, I felt like Spencer was interested. I, did, I still didn't think anything was going to come of it right away. But then just a few days or maybe a week or two later, you had sent me the picture of the spot that was for rent. And and everything just kind of fell into place, right? 
Yeah, actually, I drove by what is now our school, but was Montsevais closed down school because right next door where the owners of another yoga studio was having, she has an auxiliary studio and she was holding a teacher training. And I was fortunate enough to be allowed to sit in on it. And I got to teach part of the module on hot yoga and driving past. I saw that that place was for rent. And that is like, dude, it was like Providence. The fact that that place was open. And then of course my first thought was just like, oh man, but that's a pretty nice space. Like there's no way we're going to be able to cut whatever that is. We'll st- I, I doubt it. But remember, I threw you the number because I'm also, I do not, uh, <laughs> I'll avoid phone calls if possible. Let's just put it that way. But I remember that you called about it and, um, and it was open. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, I think when things started to feel a little bit kind of giddy and exciting, like this thing might actually happen. That was definitely it for me, too. I remember that when you sent me that and I made the call and it was, you know, something that we we realized that it was something that we could work on. It was definitely like, oh, shit, this might happen. The other thing that we did that summer that I still I think impacted me a lot and and I still really, really enjoy about those times is we shared a lot of books, a lot of audio books. We talked about we, we almost had like a like a mini book club that year. And a lot of those books are some of my favorites that I continue to go back to time and time again to to help me get through those, you know, those dips and the plateaus. Yeah, that's true. That was a, a really strong time. I think a lot of that was uh, the, the Bhagavad Gita and different. Uh, I know I was and this is neither here nor there, but I was like heavily part of being into yoga, I think, and getting into the trainings and stuff as people start to go heavily into or at least research heavily into Hinduism and Buddhism and that kind of stuff. And that does lead to a lot of like a mind opening type of literature. That's a special time. I love how sentimental this is getting because <laughs> I want to say that's a special time early in the relationship sharing, uh, sharing it's, it is like a process like a, a real relationship where you're kind of like revealing yourself or like this is something that is deeply changing to me and I want you to see it too. I think above all else that's what's been so cool about Zia man like I sit and think about kind of where I was when when I started training with y'all um which of course it was 2020 I think not 2019 so excuse me I'll correct that but it's been interesting seeing like it's like choosing a family truly like y'all are so cool and just knowing that i have become part of this really cool story and like hearing where y'all have come from is not only inspiring it's one of those things where it's like dang like i like you it's a family you get to choose and i think that's super duper cool and i know mark and i have had some really cool conversations about literature and learning and then growing as people and to me i think that if that's that's the best kind of jujitsu gym to run or martial arts school in general is the kind that promotes that kind of learning atmosphere at all times. Thank you, Katie. That, uh, I mean, that always, the praise always means a lot. I think I've never heard somebody say it's a family that you choose, which instantly I was like, Oh man, that's like a nice jujitsu like tagline, but that's cool. Cause it really is. You, uh, you can't choose your actual family. But you do get to choose your jiu-jitsu family. And when you said that, it made me start thinking about all kinds of people. It's like, 
a huge honor to be connected with. It's so cool that the the people that have made the dojo uh, a family. It's super crazy. Everybody is, which brings me back to that blue belt meme, go yo. No, but whenever somebody leaves the school or has to move or you know like jujitsu is popular with the military it takes a little like little piece of the families the family with them and i think everybody always feels that like you know old gym group chats or whatever where people will leave and they'll be like please don't ever take me out of the group chat even if i don't respond i just want to be I just want to be in it. I just want to know I'm close to you guys still. Like It's crazy the way that you really become a family to it. And you get to choose. It's definitely something that's changed my life. I And in so many ways that, you know, we haven't even began to touch on. It's, there's an alternate universe where there's a version of me that is, you know, very, very sad. And I'm so glad that that we were able to work everything out and it's been up and down, man. And it's, it's been a long, long road, but in just a few years, I feel like everything that we do when, when you and I get together, it's magic. And, you know, we've had deeper conversations on the subject, but I I truly believe that I love this collaboration and it's going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to bless people because it's blessed us and figs can't grow from thistles. So it's just going to continue to grow and bless people, and I'm and I'm happy to be a part of it. It's definitely something bigger than me, bigger than I could have ever dreamed to accomplish, even in just, you know, the four years that we've that we've been open. So, I I appreciate you sharing the stories. We're up to the point where we open the gym, and it seems like it's a good point to pause and potentially leave a part two hanging because there's tons of stories that we have from 2019 that we could always jump into. So does anybody have any questions? We can open the lines. If anybody had something that they wanted to say, any comments, lines are always open. Katie, uh, if you have anything else. I think this is a really cool little little episode series we're doing um, because I think it's cool for students, especially newer students, to kind of hear the background of kind of where we're coming from. And I think it helps shape perspectives on like who's coaching them, and just kind of why people have the passion for what they're teaching. And so for me personally, I've heard a lot of these stories like in passing, but to sit down and actually get to like listen in, obviously I was not around during this time. And so it's been really cool to kind of just hear the history of the gym. It makes it feel really solid and really grounded. And I absolutely love that. I'm excited to get to when Zia opens because I get to be, I have more stories to share from that. And man, do I have some wild stories. But for the time being, I think this is really cool. And I really appreciate the idea of like coming up with doing it. And and I appreciate Coach Spencer for being on here this evening. Because um, I know as a student, it's always really cool to hear where where we've come from and where, where we're going, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to echo like all the appreciation too. I really, those were some some strong words from both of you guys and I really appreciate you know being able to be part of something I I feel like I, I've you know I we've accumulated something really special and I feel like I, I knew that I had something cool like creative that I needed to do with my life and I've never quite been the person that could put like a 
a project of this size like together on my own or have that kind of mind to do what what coach mark is able to do with everything that we do at the gym and i have to shout out of course i mean there's a million people we could shout out but i can't shout out what coach mark does for the gym without what uh coach jackie does for the gym uh i think there's i think as much as you and i coach mark make a really good combo it's like you know behind every great man is a great woman and we're super blessed to have people like coach jackie people like kt it's super nice to tolerate people like KT and just kidding, Katie. You know, I love you. On the realties, though, I will say, first of all, glad you shouted out Jackie because I was about to. That woman, like, I know we've been talking like a little soft rebrand. If y'all have been seeing the super cool video content that's been coming out of Zia, that is Coach Jackie and Coach Mark doing an awesome, amazing job. So just like a little shout out for that. Um, and also, I I absolutely agree. I think that. Coach Jackie has just done amazing and especially as like a lady has been so like integral and in welcoming the women into this gym. Um, so I want to I want to give a specific shout out to that. Jackie has been one of the most welcoming and caring individuals when it comes to Zia and when it comes to making sure people on? feel welcome. She's here. She's listening to all this. But yeah, she's definitely you can't say enough. We wouldn't be running. We wouldn't be around if if she wasn't there and it seems like most of the successful gyms have that type of female underlying dynamic and it's probably because males are so unorganized <laughs> but if if there's any organization in what we do it definitely comes from her this was awesome let's uh let's go ahead and We'll wrap it up for tonight. I want to thank you guys all for coming and listening. We'll do. We'll schedule a part two at some point and talk, talk about the kefir in the back room and stuff like that. Uh, we'll have Jackie on because that's when uh, she really did. She supported us. She, you know, just me and my crazy ideas, and I have a lot of them. And she's always supported me in all of them. But I'm really blessed that she was. She supported this decision, and we kind of went all in. I quit my job for right before the pandemic hit and went all in on the gym so i was like fuck it man this is for nothing we'll definitely talk about that stuff the next time we meet thank you katie thank you spencer appreciate your time thank you guys oh i was waving goodbye oh i oh, thought you were raising no. you're waving oh. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, but appreciate you so much coach mark you're an awesome part of this community too thanks everyone for hopping on appreciate you always can't wait for the next one